Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include creative equity products. My interview with Sasha Romani, CEO of Empower Financing, on companies beginning to ditch credit scores when loaning money, and how the narrative surrounding the Fed's fight against inflation has been turned on its head. Thanks to today's podcast sponsor, Built Technologies, construction real estate solutions for better financial management. Improve business performance with faster, smarter tools for all stages of the property life cycle. To learn more, visit getbuilt.com. Why did the Dalai Lama go to Las Vegas? Because he loves Tibet. <laughs> the population of Vegas is about 650,000 with all manners of housing, subdivisions, and lifestyles. But around the nation and world, there are numerous ways and places to live. You hear about the story of Chad Ochocinco saving money by living inside Cincinnati Bengals Stadium? For the link to that story, visit robchrisman.com. What is Stowe, Vermont? Whitefish, Montana, and Lake Placid, New York have in common? The three U.S. towns may travel in leisure's 25 most beautiful small towns list. If you only want a house for part of the year and a place like those, with elevated mortgage rates and home prices having risen considerably, the solution might be buying one-sixth of a house or sharing equity, which is what some of your borrowers and homeowner clients consider. An unlock HEA gives you cash in exchange for a portion of your home's future value. Or one can also always live underwater. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome to the show Sasha Romani, CEO of Empower Financing, to talk about companies beginning to ditch credit scores when loaning money. His company, Empower Financing, believes that using credit scores through TransUnion, Experian, and Equifax is outdated and antiquated for businesses to loan money to people. Empower Financing, a public benefit corporation, is one of the first fintech companies to ditch credit scores to lend international students money. Instead of using credit scores, collateral, or co-signers, the company lends students money based on their earnings potential. So I want to start by, by talking about the history of FICO scores and how they became the industry standard. When did they begin and how did they gain so much popularity? Uh, yeah, it's really interesting because uh, FICO scores were introduced in the 1980s by the Fair Isaac Corporation. Not a lot of people realize that FICO is actually an abbreviation for that company. They they essentially were were invented to serve as a metric of someone's credit worthiness. And it became an industry standard uh, throughout the consumer lending industry because it does consider a lot of things that are theoretically important for evaluating credit worthiness. For example, uh, history of making on-time payments, the amount of debt somebody's carrying, and so on. That being said, increasingly, there is a movement towards moving away from credit scores because as much as they as much as they do measure a lot of what's important, there also um, there are also concerns about them being biased or skewed or not actually taking into consideration everything which a lender would want to look at. And those are things which I'm happy to dive into as well. Yeah, let's get to that eventually. So I want I kind of want to follow up on that first question and say, why have so few companies deviated from using them until now? Is it is it laziness? Was there not a better way? What what do you think it was? It's a it's a couple of factors. Uh laziness might be a might be a 
a strong way to put it, but I say that in large banks and financial institutions, there's inherently inertia. They they liked what they liked and they tend to not like to change too much. So there's just uh, inherent organizational inertia for, for large banks, but also just from a compliance perspective, it's hard to change something which regulators know, regulators kind of like, and uh, that that in, in turn can create a lot of problems with organizations that want to experiment with new techniques. You, you want to make sure that your new model is unbiased or as unbiased as reasonably possible, that you're not accidentally discriminating against uh, certain populations. So there, there, there are a lot of concerns with when, when a large organization wants to move away from something which has historically served them pretty well. So I'm having you on today in part because obviously you believe there's a better solution and, and you're creating that over at Empower Financing. Can you explain what you're doing over there when it comes to lending money based on borrowers' earning potential? Sure thing. So we at Empower are the leaders in international student financing. We help students from basically any country in the world pay for an education at top institutions in the U.S. and Canada. A typical profile of a student would be somebody who's, let's say, from India pursuing a master's degree in engineering at MIT or Stanford. That's very much sort of a like a median student that, that we serve. Now, the challenges that those that, that student would face is that because they're not from the U.S., they don't have a social security number or a U.S. credit score. So again, your traditional bank, even your large lender that's established in the student financing space would say, you don't have a social, you don't have a U.S. credit profile, you might as well not exist to me. But we at Empower, who are founded by and largely led by former international students ourselves, we felt that there has to be a better way. Uh, my own example, I'm from Canada. So when I did my master's in the States at Harvard University, I like to say as a Canadian, I am the least international of all students. But still, to get a bread and butter financial product like a bank account or a credit card was kind of like pulling teeth. So we lent to students using a lot of other data, including home country credit reports. We are the only student lender who looks at a U.S. credit report, if it exists, and a home country credit report, along with a bunch of other data, which we augment. Uh, this is These are all objective measures that help us to estimate a student's likelihood to be successful after graduation. And the reason this is important is that, well, one of the ways that credit scores can discriminate is that a, a large factor that's, that's played into the score is the length of credit history. That's essentially the number of years that you've had credit for. And inherently for younger populations, light students, or often uh, Black, African-American, Latino populations who are who are largely, uh, have historically been largely left out of, of, of traditional lending, they don't have these resources available. So that's where lenders like Empower are able to serve populations which traditional banks do not. I knew you sounded way too nice when you hopped on this interview to be an American. Uh, <laughs> so take us inside the the underwriting process a little bit here. How, how, how do you have confidence in this type of lending and, and how do the companies that, um, that you're potentially selling these loans to also have, have confidence in your underwriting? Yeah, that's a great question. I'd say, first of all, we've been around since 2014. So by this point, we have many years of experience to see all the wonderful things that our students do. Um, just from a recent survey, they do everything from um, working at, of course, large institutions, tech firms, to founding business and businesses or running for political office. 
But ultimately, the challenge is that in the U.S. lending in industry, the jargon is thin file. These students are thin file means that they have a thin credit profile. But we 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 looked at it differently. We actually looked at it that there's a lot of data out there, and there is, as I mentioned, credit data from their home country, uh, India being our largest country of origin, just as an example, we are able to look at an Indian credit profile and augment this with objective measures around future earning potential, which which is it, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of other data, including educational, educational and professional background, as long as our forecasts on what their educational and, and professional uh, future entails. And this all helps us to lend where traditional banks do not and to serve students who would otherwise be declined by your brick and mortar financial institution. I do have one slightly harder hitting follow-up to that. And that is, you know, not just because somebody statistically is go, should make a certain amount of income leaving college doesn't necessarily mean they will, or they, they might like to take some time to travel or who, something happens with their family and they have to take care of a family member. How do you account for some of these downside risks? Yeah, absolutely. So we 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 realized that. Uh, so the, the the examples you mentioned are one thing, but we also realized that you know life happens, and uh, I think we all saw that during during COVID, where where a lot of people were hard hit. I think part of it is core to how we lend is shockingly we only lend to students who we think would be reasonably able to pay back their loans, which sounds obvious, but sometimes it isn't. Uh, but also we we work closely as a partner. Uh, for our students through what we call our Path to Success program, which means providing a lot of free services like resume reviews, interview prep, uh, networking guidance, and immigration support. Just one fun fact uh, when when interviewing uh, for future colleagues is that we've noticed that in a lot of countries, it is their culture to put a headshot in a resume or add details like marital status, which you know, we don't want to know about when we're when when we're hiring. So a little bit is just how do you write a resume for American eyes? Um, but but so so that 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 just goes into our ethos of making sure students know that we are a partner for them. So if life happens, something uh, that they encounter difficult circumstances, don't be afraid of us. Contact us. We can help you, whether it's with forbearance and deferment policies, or as I just mentioned, helping students get jobs whether they are in the U.S., back in their home country, or in a third country, because we've successfully helped students to get jobs and immigration as well in Canada, the U.K., Dubai, and other parts of the world as well. The three credit bureaus might not like this question, but I, I think it bears asking, at what point do more companies start to adopt these less traditional underwriting standards, or what will it take for more companies to start moving away from traditional credit scores? So fortunately, it's happening slowly. And I'd, I'd, say, I'd say that the credit bureaus themselves are starting to, to look at other data. For example, rent payments, making regular rent payments is something which has been in the news lately that the credit bureaus are looking at. Because even though you know, you know payment on rent might, be, might not be a loan product, it still demonstrates the, uh, the, the tenant's ability to make regular payments on time. Another example of that could be making your monthly payments on your Netflix account. Uh, I, I, I think generally the broad ethos is that the American financial industry is slowly waking up to the, to, to, to the, to the idea that there are other related data points that they could be looking at 
to be able to serve historically underserved populations. Well said. Is has there been any interest from other financial companies such as mortgage companies? A lot of you know our our listeners on this podcast mostly work at mortgage companies in taking on your technology and creating APIs so they can they can utilize this. What do you see yourself expanding outside of student loan financing? We see our long-term roadmap absolutely being not just student loan financing. For example, we recently launched the only student loan refinancing solution specifically designed for, for international students. Um, as we as we grow the organization, I think there's definitely room to look into, let's say, auto lending or mortgage products or so on, keeping in mind that those are inherently very different products. A mortgage, for example, is often collateralized where a student loan by definition uh, cannot be. But I think generally the idea of of extending access to finance for high potential uh, high potential individuals is something which we we do see on our on our long term product roadmap. For those that are looking for more information on Empower or, or follow up steps and are interested in this, what what's the best uh, ways to contact you? Best thing would be to visit our website at mpowerfinancing.com. That's Empower that starts with an mpowerfinancing.com. Uh, once again, we support students from basically every country in the world. That includes U.S. citizens. That includes uh, Dreamers and DACA recipients. And we support uh, we support students at about 400 different universities around the U.S. and Canada, uh, providing funding without needing a co-signer or collateral. Well, I wish you all the success in the world, and I want to thank you for making the time for me today. This was great. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much, Robbie. January was an awful month for the Fed in its battle against inflation. Friday's higher-than-expected PCE inflation data has shifted market expectations for the Federal Reserve to continue tightening monetary policy through its June meeting rather than pause in March. Inflation increased 0.6% in January, and year-over-year was increased from 50 to 5.4%. This will likely compel the FOMC to continue its aggressive fight, keeping interest rates elevated longer than many hoped. The minutes released from the last committee meeting showed that there were some members who favored a more significant 50 basis points increase to the federal funds rate rather than the 25 basis points that was approved. We also learned late last week that fourth quarter GDP was revised from 2.9% down to 2.7% in the second estimate, while the annual rate was unrevised at 2.2%. A pullback on goods spending continued to weigh on economic activity during the quarter, as most activity resulted from increasing inventories a smaller trade deficit. This week's economic calendar kicks off with durable goods for January, which is expected to decline 4% month over month after increasing 5.6% in December. After that, we'll receive NAR pending home sales for January, the Dallas Fed Manufacturing Index, and remarks from Fed Board Governor Jefferson. The remainder of the week includes advanced economic indicators, home price indices, consumer confidence, and final Q4 productivity and unit labor costs. We begin the week with agency MBS prices nearly unchanged from Friday, and the 10-year yielding 3.95 as it did last week. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. You can retire to Arizona where you'll park three blocks away from your house because you found shade. You can drive for four hours in one direction and never leave town. You know that dry heat is comparable to what hits you in the face when you open your oven door at 500 degrees. And the four seasons are tolerable, 
hot, really hot, and are you kidding me? Or you can retire to Minnesota where you only have three spices, salt, pepper, and ketchup. (laughs) Halloween costumes have to fit over pargas. You have 17 recipes for casserole, and the four seasons are almost winter, winter, still winter, and road repair. Thanks to today's podcast sponsor, Built Technologies, construction real estate solutions for better financial management. Improve business performance with faster, smarter tools for all stages of the property life cycle. To learn more, visit getbuilt.com. Questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities? Send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.